It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. It's a wonderful Sunday night in Las Vegas. Welcome to Heat Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Tim Mugglesby and Damon Cotton with you in Las Vegas, Nevada. And my co-host, Barton Sports, also over on the Sports Garden Network, Tom Barton from New York City. Tommy, we're here. It's Selection Sunday. We have the bracket. And we're going to break this down for everybody listening on the show tonight. Yeah, I was going to say, Tim, do we have something to talk about tonight? Do, do we have to have a pre-meeting? Did we did we need a, a very long pre-meeting to get together what we were going to discuss tonight? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can't wait, man. I am pumped up. It was a, a year ago today, right, um, that the country went stupid and shut everything down. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's really good to kind of get back. I want to talk about, obviously, the seeding. I want to get into who I believe was left out, who should have made it, who, uh, you know, the games themselves. I want to get into all of it. But, Tim, I have to start by just saying it, it, it's just good that we have it, right? I, we now know what a world is and what a year is without the NCAA tournament. We know what that feels like. We know what it was like last year, 14 days to slow the curve. It's been a year in some cases, right, that this entire country lost its mind. So now, all of a sudden, I, I kind of don't care as much as I should about who doesn't get in. I mean, look, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to tell you I have a feeling that this guy, this, this team should have got in or this team got the shaft or that team has got a bad seating. But, Tim, I'm having a hard time this year being a grumpy, angry old man uh, because I'm just so happy we're getting the tournament. I can't disagree. I, I mean, there, a lot of what you said is true that really we're, we're lucky to be at this point. You're right. And um, through all the hoops and hurdles that we've had to experience as sports fans throughout the past 365 plus days, it, it technically, yeah, it did start with this that, as I, as I said on last week's show, I was sitting with uh, Chris Wynn at the Orleans when <laughs> we're getting ready to actually go to the Orleans to watch the WAC tournament. They, they just canceled everything. And, you know, it's, it's been weird. It's, we've seen cancellations. We've seen teams making the tournament with six less games played than other, other schools, but we're at this point. And, and yes, there are some caveats in, in what we'll talk about tonight as far as potential uh, COVID situations and teams standing by. But, you know, like you said, all, all in a day's work is, we're here at Selection Sunday. I will say this, though, and, and I don't know if it's just because I'm just so uh, trained, Tommy, that, you know, every Sunday that the tournament teams are announced, I'm ready to go. It used to be on just one channel. Now they have it on two or three. But to watch um, the team teams, the names show up on the bracket, I wasn't as excited today. And I don't know if that was because... Like you said, I'm just happy that they're doing it, period, and, and whoever makes it, makes it. Because, as you know, right, Tom, something goes wrong here. They can just cancel the whole thing again. So am I just not being um, – am I being cautious? Is that the way to say it? Or did I just, for this past year, for whatever reason, it killed some of my sports fandom, and, and it just wasn't as exciting to me as it usually is? Yeah, You know, I, I, think, I, I think you're uh, falling into the trap of, of the uh-oh, you know. I will say this, look, no, besides political uh, beliefs in here, we all know it was a giant mistake to cut to, to shut the country down. It's been proven as evident as, as possible, and we really didn't shut the country down. I mean, you know, only a couple of moron governors really did it. Uh, but the NCAA, and the reason I'm saying this is, is not a political statement, it's because the NCAA will not allow this tournament to shut down, Tim. It, it, there's just no way. Look, Kansas and Virginia were missing their their conference tournament games just days ago there was no doubt by the ncaa committee to not only put them in but they put them both in the bracket side the same bracket side they have backup teams they have this they have the ncaa committee last year uh was rash 
they went crazy. They know that they made a giant mistake. We know that now. It was a huge mistake. They're not going to make it again, Tim. They're not shutting this whole thing down. So I can tell you, rest assured, they're not shutting this thing down. Can a team, potentially maybe one team, uh, you know, have to be replaced? Maybe. I don't even think we're there, man. I really don't. I think that there's just too much uh, good that, that they're, they're doing. The bubble situation and the testing and the being careful and the watching and the schools. And there's just so much. And, you know, when you look at how many schools are in there, oh, there's 64 schools. Oh, wow. You know, this is crazy. Yeah, but Tim, if you get through the first weekend, right now there's 32. Like all of a sudden, boom, it gets knocked down. So I don't see it as a bigger threat. They played more than 80% of all the games over the course of the last five months. I just don't see it being a threat to shut the entire tournament down. So, you know, I'm going to tell you, get more excited, Tim, because you got huh? some teams there. You know, yeah. you got some of your teams. I, I, you know, your guy, your team's Maryland. They got a shot this year. And we do. We have two different aspects. We have the big boys, but the big boys are all good stories. Even Gonzaga, who's the number one seed. Well, if they win it all, that's a great story because they go undefeated, right? Teams like Illinois and Baylor, these are not regular number one seeds. These are not that. I mean, Jawan Howard in Michigan, whether you like him or not, that's a cool story. So there's a lot of cool stories out there this year. And I think maybe your cautious optimism on a Sunday night is is going, well, you know what? It wasn't as exciting. Tim, I think if I'm going to talk to you on Friday morning, you're going to go, oh, no, I'm pumped up, man. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. And I'd be even more pumped up if you said, Tim, I'm jumping a plane Thursday night. I'll see you Friday morning. That, that would be the ultimate. <laughs> Listen, I was going to do it. Um, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, my, my governor is uh, – out here molesting women allegedly oh. uh so he's he's not uh lifting all restrictions here and your governor uh, apparently isn't lifting as many restrictions as he should anyway so i'm uh i'm going to atlantic city um i was uh <laughs> i i've now during quarantine i've been to florida twice uh and new jersey quite a few times or florida three times new jersey quite a few times so I will go where I know I could kind of uh, be okay. I don't have to sign my life away when I get off an airplane. <laughs> it's going to be uh, a great weekend for sure as we will break this bracket down for you here in a minute. We'll, we'll start bracket or region by region. A uh, couple, couple quick tidbits before we get into the meat and potatoes of this. And you, and you talk about storylines, and, and you can build in tons of them, right? How about the return of... Rick Patino to the NCAA tournament, and and I'm only saying this, Tommy, because I want to throw my local slant in here, and you know you know where I'm going to go with this, but the the guy basically gets off his couch from sitting there for the past few years, other than a stint in Greece, and uh, he's back in the tournament in one year. Well, yes, but let's just say this: look, it's not like Iona has a, a terrible team, Tim. You know, mm -hmm. Iona's consistently a, a a pretty decent team. And when we were talking about Patino, and I remember uh, being on these airwaves when we were talking about Patino going to Iona, and UNLV fans were all annoyed, right? They were they were all upset in there. Oh, come on, what you know? Well, what? Oh, it's Iona. Oh, it's Iona. And I said, Iona's a better team than UNLV. Yeah. And the people kind of, oh, come on, Iona's a better team than UNLV. Let, let's just be honest here. You know, th this is a team that have gone to 14 NCAA tournaments. They've gone to the NCAA tournament in 2016, 17, 18, and 19, four in a row. They actually, you know, look, they're, they're getting beat by the Dukes and the North Carolinas. I get it. But they're actually here. I mean, they're, they're, since, since 2000, right? Just go back to 2000, right? You're, you're talking about they've been in nine NCAA tournaments since 2000. So it wasn't like he was taking over a garbage program. And this isn't to just sit back and knock UNLV. It's to say, UNLV, Iona's a better program. It just is. I'd never say Patino's a, a not intelligent person. I mean, he definitely picks and chooses his spots. My, my biggest uh, problem is, and I'm just using him as the example because his name was lobbied about whether it was in the UNLV offices or not I don't know but publicly and in the media his name was thrown about and you had your naysayers 
oh, he's a scumbag, he's, he's just a detriment, whatever the case may be, the guy wins where he goes, right? And, and you know, I would have been all for it, throw the money at him and, and see what happens because it, the progression we've seen, and this is not even a knock on T.J. Otzelberger, I don't think he's a good coach. I don't think he's the good coach at UNLV, and until he proves me otherwise, that'll be my my stance on it. But Tommy, you know the guy in Reno that made a, a run in the in the tournament, and Steve Alford, I thought would have been a better choice. But it's just when you look at the teams being announced, and you see UNLV not on there again for how many years in a row now? It's it's been a long time, and, and really the the past glory is fading away or faded away when you look at the the new kids that have come into uh, college basketball. It's just a shame that, you know, sometimes you say what might have been, but rather they, they play the safe route, and this is what we're, we're at now. And you said it best when they brought in Marvin Menzies, right, Tom? You said, welcome to the mediocrity of UNLV now, and that's exactly what it is. And, and I mean, it's not even it, – it's below mediocrity even, Tim. You know, I was kind of giving them a, a little bit more credit than, than I should. You're talking about, look, this is a conference that got two bids. You, you have people in the Mountain West arguing that maybe they should have gotten a third bid. There's some people that just even a week ago believed that maybe they could, they, maybe they could even get four bids. Remember, I told you that they'd only get two and nobody would be higher than a seven or an eight. I was wrong. We got a six, but um, we only got the two, like I thought. And we had people writing, you know, they could get four bids. Here's the thing. One, two, three, or four, nobody was saying UNLV. Nobody. Nobody was talking about them even maybe sniffing a bid. Maybe potentially, no. So that, to me, is less than mediocre. If you're in the Mountain West Conference and you're a, a UNLV team in a city like Las Vegas and you're not even sort of getting talked about, sniffed about, that maybe maybe you could back into a, a March Madness, Tim, I think that's less than mediocre. Yeah. I know DeMond had the sentiment that, well, how do you convince a kid to come to Las Vegas when they're underage? I don't, I don't know how you convince a kid to go to Logan, Utah, and they're in the tournament. How do you convince a kid to go to Fort Collins, Colorado, and they're in the tournament? How do you convince a kid to, who leaves his, his city of Las Vegas to move to Reno, who was in the tournament last year or two years ago, right? So, Tim, I don't know. How, how, um, how do you turn around and try to recruit in Las Vegas – and, and you get decent players and then go, wait a minute, when was the last time they had a Mountain West Conference Player of the Year? Just doesn't happen. And, you know, the recruiting is one thing. I, I think they have good players. They're getting good players. And me and, and another sports host that we used to, you know, have on the show used to argue about this all the time. Uh, every single year, oh, you have no idea the recruiting class. Yeah, but it doesn't pan into anything. It doesn't make sense. Look, UNLV has players playing in the NBA that when they were on UNLV, still didn't win Mountain West Player of the Year, right? Still didn't take that right. team and elevate it. So talent is one thing, but there's a difference between talent and being a unified team. They just have not been able to kind of, I, I guess, gel those two together. Yeah, unfortunately, in the in the world of academics, it never falls on uh, the people that run the schools, right, Tom? It, it's totally on the head coach and the guys that they brought in. They're just not – they weren't the guys, the right guys, I think. Obviously, Otzelberger will get another year here, but I don't know, Tom. It's, it's They have to do something. And if that means changing the AD, who I think is out of her league, then maybe that needs to be done too. But I've said this about UNLV time and time again, Tim. Tell me what you are. Tell me what you want to be. And I've said this about the football program as well. You know, there are certain programs in basketball and in football you might not be that good, but I know what you are. I know what you're trying to do. I know what your definition is, right? Hawaii football. Is Hawaii football very good? No, but we know. You know what? Even back since June Jones, it, they, they got to score, right? I mean, this is what they are. You just have certain traits, some characteristics. This is supposed to be the running rebels, Tim. Mm -hmm. I don't see a lot of offensive-minded running rebel type of style. So, again, you might bring in a coach, but... Bring in a coach that has a direction. Bring in a coach that says, oh, we're going to be this. We're going to be absolutely this or that. And I'm going to change. They always talk about changing the culture. You know, I love when people go, well, you know, Coach O's changing the culture. To what? To what? Tell me the direction that he's changing the culture to because I don't see a change. 
Yeah. What's I, the difference think... between Coach O and Dave Rice or Marvin Menzies? What's the difference? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, take all the time you can, Tim, because there's not yeah. much of a difference, right? Dave Rice proved he couldn't coach; he could recruit. <laughs> Marvin Menzies, right, can recruit, can't coach. Uh, I get, I, you know, it's just, it's just, it's bewildering when you look at year after year and you look at these teams that go on those those lines, you know, and then you see your own conference two, three bids, and we're not even in discussion because we, as a, as a university or we as a team, can't produce on the court. You lose. Every year, right, Tom? You have the championship tournament on your home court. Not even talking about COVID times. And you can't win on your home court. So it is what it is. Until I see a big name fly across there. and that's my, that's just, You want to know what my identity would be? We've tried it your way. Let's try it my way. Give me a big name and see what he can do. And if it doesn't work, then so be it. I mean, I'm out of options at this point. Right. Uh, and... and- you know who's the big name? I, I don't know. And, they, and look at the look at the the names that were thrown around last time, right? Nate Oates was never going to come here, Tom. But look what he's done where he's went. I mean, they had the right upcoming names. They just have to produce with the checkbook. Even Todd Simon, right? When he took over for Dave Rice interim, he won twenty games this year, Tom, at Southern Utah. I, I know it's Southern Utah, but I still. You, know? you remember me with Todd Simon. I said they should. That was the biggest mistake they ever made, not signing yeah. him. And he would come here if you gave him the job today. He would come here. It's a step up from where he's at. Enough, enough with the UNLV, though, right? It's it's just it is frustrating, but it is what it is. Uh, one other thing I wanted to to jump at. I know you saw this news came out that um, Mike Shashevsky and John Calipari said that their teams, Duke and Kentucky respectively, would be ready to go, Tom, if they needed to to be to play in the tournament. <laughs> yeah, nobody nobody cares. No. <laughs> stay stay home where you belong. Yeah. Let's talk about well let's talk about the ones. Um, Baylor, Michigan. So Baylor gets knocked out in the semifinals of their conference tournament. Michigan in the semifinals of their conference tournament. Illinois wins the Big Ten. And Gonzaga, of course, undefeated, West Coast Coast champions. You're good with all four number ones. I'm good with them, but I think they're a shaky group. Um, I believe that that these are deserved. We wanted Gonzaga. Well, Gonzaga's going to be a one no matter what. I do believe Illinois is the second-best team in the country. I've said that all year long. I said that in the preseason when I gave people Illinois nearly 20-1 to 1 to win the championship. Um, absolutely absolutely believe Illinois should be there. Baylor is getting there based on what they did earlier in the year, not what they're doing now. I think they're a little bit of a shaky one. You had to make them a one. But I'm a little nervous if I'm a Baylor fan because look, they just haven't looked good in stretches this year, and they, they really haven't looked good recently. And then you have Michigan. And Michigan, to me, I, I just can't – I don't see why Michigan should be in a, a number one seed here, Tim. Now, I'm okay with it. I get it. I get why they did it. But they've lost three of the last five games, Tim. They're all banged up. They, they lost to Illinois without Io, and they got blasted by them. I mean, it wasn't a small loss. They got blasted by them. Do I want to put Alabama there, though? No, no, I don't. Do I want to put Houston there? No, no, I don't. Do I think Ohio State's better? No, not really. Do I think Iowa's better? Not really. So... Again, if Kansas would have went on and, and played in their championship and, and maybe won, I, maybe I could have seen Kansas kind of grabbing that bid. If Florida State would have continued on and won and not lost to Georgia Tech, maybe I could have argued them. These are the four that it's supposed to be, even though I do believe that Michigan and Baylor are on shaky ground. Mm-hmm. What, about, what about the teams that did not make the tournament? Let's just go ahead and get that out of the way before we jump into these, these regions. Obviously, you and I at length talk about Belmont and um, as being the biggest snub. Tom, they're not, they're not even the four, one of the four teams that would be on standby, and they're also not in the field of the NIT. Was this a situation where, where Belmont said, you know what, we're just, we're just done with the season? Uh, I, I just can't believe it. I don't understand it. It was one of the first things that I said. I wrote to our, our buddy Rob Mish. Uh, right away, because me and him have been cashing on Belmont all year long. Dick Vitale came out and said, I can't believe Belmont. I mean, Belmont 
to me is the only is really the only team that is a massive wow they didn't make it i thought louisville might have made it but i I get why they didn't you know i'm not going to argue that too much um and remember we always say if you're going to put somebody in you got to take somebody out so who would we be taking out look there's a couple of teams that i would be taking out here okay i don't think utah state belongs i'm sorry guys i just don't think that they belong I don't think UCLA should have been in a playing game. And guess what? I'm on the fence about Michigan State. Now, I think Michigan State's very dangerous if you're making your bracket picks. And I know they beat a lot of top number one teams, but they were horrible in the beginning of the year. And if you're looking at recency, and this is where the committee kind of drives me nuts sometimes. If you're looking at recency, then how is Michigan a number one who's lost three of the last five? And, and how is Michigan State a playing game as opposed to a team like Syracuse, okay, who is not a playing game. How much, it, look at their resumes. But what the tournament committee is going to say, well, we look at a body of work. Okay, if you're looking at body of work, then Michigan State doesn't belong. They don't belong anywhere near here. So it, it starts to become an, an interesting situation, Tim. It starts to become, who would I put in and who would I take out? I would take Utah State out. I would have taken Michigan State out. I would have taken UCLA out. I mean, there's a number of teams I could continue to keep going that I believe I would be able to take out, but I'm not upset about it. I understand why Michigan State's there, even if I don't believe they fully believe it or fully deserve it. I don't think they deserve to be there, but I understand why they're there. And then when you start to throw a team like Syracuse at me and I go, well, you know what? Let's look at Syracuse's schedule and let's look at what Syracuse does. And all of a sudden you go, look at Michigan State against Syracuse. They're kind of the same team, right? I mean, they're kind of the same thing. So I am in a spot here um, where I'm okay with everybody that made it. I had one team I really wanted in there, and that was Belmont. And I thought Belmont, not only did I think Belmont should have gotten in, I thought they should have been in in one of these playing games. I thought they'd be a 12 or a 13 seed maybe. I, I never even put them as a 16 seed. So that's my thinking outside of Belmont. Yeah, and I don't don't have any confirmation, but... They might have just said, screw it, we're not going to play anymore because they're not in the field of the NIT. They're not as one of the four schools that were set to be on standby. In fact, Louisville, Tom, turned down an NIT bid because they're the, they would be the, the school, they would be the first school that would replace another school if there was a, a COVID pullout. So really the only teams left were Colorado State and Ole Miss, I guess, would be your your next teams in. And I they deserve to be in the tournament either. So it looks like, other than Belmont, they they pretty much got it right. Yeah, I think so. Uh, this is a, I was very content with the tournament field. I was pretty content with the seeding. Uh, we'll go over it all tonight. Uh, who I think is a little overrated, a little underrated, higher seeded. Uh, I don't like the brackets in some spots. But when I tell you I'm nitpicking, <laughs> you know, this is this is me, you know dating a playmate and going, you know what? She doesn't really cook that well. Like it would be a nice little bonus, but I'm nitpicking. I like everything that I see in front of me. Tom Barton, Tom Barton, sports.com. Tim Unglesby. When we come back, we will jump into the NCAA bracket and get you go region by region, get your thoughts from Tommy. If you want to join in, obviously this show is interactive. 876-1340 on the heat wave hotline at Tom Barton Sports, at HW Sports over on Twitter, NCAA Basketball. And yes, in Hour 2, we will break down the American League West for you as we continue our Major League Baseball previews moving towards April 1st opening day. Heat Web Sports back after this. Part of the show, 876-1340, or text Fox to 69187 and your message. This is Heat Wave Sports on Fox Sports 1340. Breaking down the 2021 NCAA bracket here on Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. Tommy, we'll just we'll start with the way most brackets are reading. I guess if you have the, the printed out version in front of you at home, follow along. And, and that's the way we're going to go. We'll start with the West region, Tom, where Gonzaga, obviously the 
the number one seed, the number one overall seed, undefeated, looking for, as you said in segment one of the show, a Cinderella story. We'll just break it down in, in uh, quarters. So 116 there, Oklahoma the 8-9 versus Missouri. Creighton, the five seed against UC Santa Barbara, the, the 12 seed. And then Virginia, Tom, a team in quarantine right now, four seed, takes on the MAC champion, Ohio, as a 13 seed. Anything you like coming out of that top bracket in the West? Yeah, you know, I'm going to tell you that. I think Gonzaga got a really tough field for being undefeated. You know, Virginia very well could have been the ACC champs had COVID not come in. Uh, Creighton was, uh, you know, just a choke job away from being the big East champs. I, I, I mean, to me, Gonzaga has a tougher seed, but you have to like them coming out here. I think they roll. The Oklahoma and Missouri, I don't like anybody there. It doesn't really matter. I kind of like the Gauchos against Creighton. I've been on Creighton all year long. All year long, I told everybody I like Creighton, Creighton, Creighton. Kind of like the Gauchos there. I think if you can get Virginia against Ohio, and you can get 10.5 with Ohio right now, I'm all over that. But I think that falls down significantly. Uh, to me, this is Gonzaga. I, I worry about the Gauchos a little bit, and I worry that Ohio could completely upset Virginia a little bit. But overall, it won't matter because Gonzaga's going. You know, when you look at the – you mentioned the – the Creighton Santa Barbara game 5-12 and we talked about the conferences with more than more than enough bids right so the Big 10 gets 9 teams in the Big 12 gets 7 tom the Big 10 with the 9 the Big 12 was 7 uh with the AC, you know ACC was 7 we talked about the Big East and i was i was up in arms with instead of looking at it as like oh wow Georgetown on this unbelievable run, and we'll get to Georgetown a little bit later, but on an unbelievable run to win this, I looked at it more like, is this more of an indictment of how bad the Big East is other than the top schools in there? And Creighton, in my mind, I kind of like the points as well. I think Creighton may be a little overseeded there. No, look, Big East was very good. It, it was a good conference this year. It really was. Uh, I, I just think that a lot of them, look, Villanova's dealing with injuries. Creighton is just that team. I make money on Creighton every year, and somehow or another, they get down to this spot, and they crumble. Every year, they seem to crumble, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, they're 0-8 in the field of 32, and the last eight chances there is Creighton. This is who they are. Now, you're talking about the Gauchos. McLaughlin is really good, 16 points per game. I think that the Gauchos are not only good, but they're right at, hot right at the right time. They're 18-1 and since January 1st. Look, I always tell you the five twelve matchups is something everyone's going to jump on. I'm actually a six eleven guy, you know. I, I love to grab those eleven seeds, but there is a five twelve matchup that I like. I'm all over uh, USSB, UCSB with the points in this one. Uh, do I think they can knock off Creighton? Well, I fill out two brackets, and one will have Creighton, the other one will have the Gauchos. You look at Virginia, a tough year for them. Uh, if you're looking in in the past few years, this is a, a a step down from what they're used to, but really, as long as everybody's okay, Tom, I think that's your Sweet 16 matchup, right? Gonzaga and Virginia. Uh, I don't know if Virginia's getting out of the first round, Tim. Yeah. I, I'm serious. That's why I'm saying. I'm taking Ohio plus the 10 and a half. Virginia could do one of two things. Virginia could actually upset Gonzaga, or Virginia could be out in the first round. It all depends on, on the COVID situation. So let's, let's just talk about that for a brief moment here. Because what I'm hearing, uh, and I... I been hearing this all day and i've been doing the research on virginia they are not even flying there now they're playing on saturday they're not flying until friday they're not even flying until friday they're not allowed to practice together so now they haven't been together as a team for a week they're not allowed to practice together for another week basically because they're not going to be able to practice they're not going to get a practice game in here at all so you're talking about a virginia team they, we don't know how many players are even not going to be allowed. There's conversation that they may only have seven guys suit up. So you're going to be dealing with a short bench, if, if uh, you know, a bench at all, but you're going to be dealing with a short bench, not seeing your team, not practicing with your team. Going on. This Virginia team, if they get by Ohio, I think you're right. We could see them fly. But I'm not positive they're getting by Ohio with all these secondary problems. I think it said... It's seven consecutive days, right, Tom, of a negative test, which means they can't even fly out till Friday. 
Yeah. For the game on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. And they cannot be together. That's the big yeah. thing. They're not allowed to be to any. Not one teammate can't even be near another teammate right now. And right. they they had to shut that down last week. So you're talking about in the middle of trying to get, go to an NCAA tournament, no practices for 10, what is it going to be, 10, 11 days? No practices at all. You don't see your team. I know we all do Zoom meetings, but listen, whoever's anybody that's ever done Zoom meeting, you know they're not as effective, right? Now go try to take on a team that you don't know. Man, I'm telling you, Virginia scares me. And they're, you're going to hear me say this about a few teams tonight. They are a team that if they get past the first round, they become very dangerous. I'm not sure they get past the first round. Bottom half of the West, USC, a six seed, will play the winner of Wichita State and Drake. Those two teams will play on Thursday in the first four. Kansas, a three, Tom. Also COVID issues there with some players against Eastern Washington. Oregon in the 7-10 game against VCU. And the two seed will be Iowa taking on Grand Canyon and head coach Bryce Drew. Uh, USC, I just had Chris Penrose on Sports Garden Network show uh, this morning. And Chris, three-time captain of the USC basketball team. You know, I, I kind of kind of am upset with the whole Pac-12 as a whole this year. But even USC, they are a team that has, you could argue, one of the top five players in the country, right? I mean, this kid is fantastic. And all of a sudden, they just can't seem to put it together. They can't seem to kind of get it going. I know they were inside the top 25, and then they don't win their tournament. And they are, they're seated right as a six. I've watched a lot of Wichita basketball this year. I've watched a lot of Drake basketball. That could be a dangerous situation for USC as well. Kansas, same problems as Virginia. Oregon, another team. Me and Chris spoke about it this morning. Uh, how I think Oregon is a team that can kind of run. I absolutely do. And Iowa, that offense is just simply dynamic. You guys want a, a quick little free play from Tom Barton? My, again, I'm going to sit back and, and do five days of studying and, and analyzing. The number that jumps out at me is Iowa Grand Canyon is only over under 144. I think Grand Canyon, they have a very, very, very good offense there. Grand Canyon has a good offense. Iowa's offense is phenomenal. Grand Canyon has a guy named Mickgard. He's really pretty phenomenal. They have 71.4% field goal percentage from the field. That's the best in the country. They're the best shooting team in the country. I know it's a lower division. Iowa, they average 84 points a game. I think that this is a game that's played into the 160s, Tim. So I think Iowa got a very, very favorable draw because I have questions about Kansas. I have questions about USC. I even have questions about Oregon. To me, this is Iowa's bracket, and they're just going to be on the back of the best player in the country. Yeah, Garz is well-deserved for that accolade, and in fact, he's getting his jersey retired there at the University of Iowa. And man, I wish – I remember the days when, when the Rebels were scoring over 80 points a game, Tom. So, you know, they're fun to watch for sure, Iowa. And I think when you look at the number two seeds – even I think even Houston, for whatever reason, in maybe it's just West Coast base, but they got a lot more love than than Iowa sitting there. I think Iowa's sneaky as a two seed, Tom. Yeah, I, I do too. I think that that there's a certain kind of team that's going to beat Iowa. And you talked to Luca Garza was on to, today, and you saw him on TV, and he said we have the best offense in the country. You know, and that's what they do. There's, there's a certain team that's going to beat them, and that's a team that's going to slow it down to a snail's place. I think a team like Virginia will frustrate, would frustrate them, would drive them nuts. I've watched Kansas's last couple of games, and Kansas's uh, the last seven to ten games, they've looked really good on defense. They might be the stumbling block because how they can just slow them down. But I will tell you what, I'm talking about 144.5. Tim, Gonzaga, Iowa. Can we set the total at like 170 at this point? I, I'm going yeah. over no matter what they put it at. Yeah. All right, we'll we'll uh, we'll save our predictions on winning the regions till the, we're done with it and get to our final four. Let's move to the East, where Jawan Howard and the Michigan Wolverines will be the one seed. LSU an eight nine matchup with St. Bonnie's, Colorado Tom the five against Patrick Ewing in the below 500 Georgetown Hoyas. Four seed, Florida State out of the ACC, North Carolina, Greensboro. How does that top half of the East work out for you? I think Michigan might be and probably will be the first number one to go down. Uh, I'm not a, a big fan of what Michigan is looking 
Mike lost three of the last five. Like I said, I think they're playing on the back of the 18 and one start as opposed to what they're doing. LSU, they're a dangerous eight seed. They're dangerous because they could score against anybody. Uh, Cameron Thomas, 22.6 points per game, uh, 20, 20 point games. I mean, this, this kid's really, really good. Uh, you look at, oh, by the way, look at the Bonnies. The Bonnies have scoring droughts and scoring problems. When they score 65 or more points, they're 14 and 0. They're two and four when they don't. They have scoring problems. So LSU can be dangerous. Colorado, Georgetown. I think Georgetown's a little overrated, but they are peaking at the right time. Colorado, eh, they don't do much for me. I know that Chris Penrose, like I was saying, he he kind of liked them. And Florida State, look, I think Florida State can play with anybody in, in, in the country. Florida State is a team that is really big. They get second tra- uh, chance points. Uh, it's top five in the country. They have the most transition points in the ACC. This is a really well-coached team that I think is flying under the radar. I believed, and this isn't because I'm an FSU guy or an ACC guy, I believed Florida State should have been a number three seed. And I believe that if Florida State would have beaten Georgia Tech, I think they could have made an argument for a two. So to me, Florida State gets the most vulnerable number one in that bracket, and that is going to be interesting. I know the line opened up, and they're like 10, 10 and a half. Florida State, I'm not saying I'm going to love them in the first game, but they're getting by the first game. Yeah, I think that I have a couple questions, actually. The 5 and the 12, Colorado-Georgetown, that, that's an interesting basketball game there because I think it sets up, like you said, I like Florida State through to the Sweet 16. Um, I think Michigan gets there, too, but you're right. It's, you know, when you're looking at the matchups and you're trying to predict as you move on to each round, Michigan is vulnerable for sure when you look at the ones. Yeah, they definitely are. I mean, Michigan is a – they're just injured. Uh, you know, I mean, they are that, – that's all it is. They're injured. And as much as Michigan looked great, re, it, it, you can't turn around. If you want to have a conversation that Michigan State got in because look at what they've done over the last week, well, Michigan has looked gar- like garbage. But the game that sticks out to me is Illinois beat them as a double-digit underdog and didn't beat them, humiliated this team without their best player, without Io. But to me, that was just all I needed to see about Michigan. Bottom of the East. Chris Wynn disagrees with this seeding on BYU. As they're the sixth seed, they'll play the 11 seed play and winner. UCLA, Tom, or Michigan State. So Chris here, if his Spartans get through the opening game on Thursday, we'll have an opportunity to see how well BYU was seeded, as that would be the matchup in round uh, two for them. Texas, a three seed against Abilene Christians. The 7-10, Connecticut and Maryland. And then the two seed, Alabama, against Rick Pitino and Iona. Some good games there in the bottom bracket of the East. Yeah, good games, and I think it's a wide-open bracket. I do. Uh, I was just explaining to Chris, you know, he was saying, well, BYU uh, way overrated. But if you're going to talk and heap all this praise on Gonzaga, you, you have to say we're going to pump, pump BYU up. Because they're in the same conference. I don't know what to make about BYU because they're only competition. They went up against the best team in the country, right? And they did yeah. it multiple times. Well, okay, so they didn't look good against them. They look good about against everybody else. I think there's a lot of questions still about them. Michigan State, UCLA, I have no doubt that Michigan State's going to move on in that game. I really, I, to me, they should just be the 11 seed. I don't think UCLA is doing anything special. Um, but I, I'm not with everybody that just automatically is putting Michigan State on. They... They certainly have the ability. We've seen that. But I don't absolutely love them. I probably will take them. But I'm not telling you that I love them. Texas, I have no love for Texas. I don't think that they're a very good team. Abilene Christian's probably not going to knock them off, but they might play well. You look at UConn, Maryland, that's a coin flip. That's a big-time coin I, And I could see UConn or Maryland getting hot and going all the way to the Sweet 16. And then you got Alabama against Patino. Patino's not going to win the game. But I think he's going to make it uh, a game at least. Alabama just has, as you saw today, just has major scoring droughts. The question is, when Alabama scores 80, can you score 85? And there's not a lot of teams that can do that in the country. But once you start to get into separating yourself away from the top you know, 15 teams or so in the country, Alabama is going to get nabbed at some point here. Yeah, I think BYU, obviously, the, the way they played Gonzaga in, in the West Coast Conference Tournament Final, maybe juiced them a little bit up on on a, on a seating there and you'll we'll see right tom cuz they 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 go up and down the court they got they got a uh, good 
for your play, and we'll see how they match up against either a Michigan State or UCLA. I think that game and, of course, right, Tom, my Terps in with UConn out out of the uh, Big East, two just great, great programs when it comes to college basketball. That's going to be fun to watch as well on Saturday. Tim, and real quick, let's just talk about BYU for a moment because I know people are going to be banging on them. Uh, But BYU, they lost by 10 to Gonzaga in the last game, but they controlled that game, right? I mean, at the half, they had a a substantial lead. They controlled that game. Now, again, there's no such thing as, well, you know, feel-good losses or whatnot, but sometimes there are. Sometimes it gives you a little insight at to what level this team can get up and how well they can play. If we're all looking at Gonzaga and say, Gonzaga's the number one seed, they are undefeated, this is a championship team, everyone's got them in the Final Four, everyone's got them win the championship, then we have to give credit to a BYU team that played them really, really close for most of that game. Yeah, and played them three times. So that, you know, yes. you got to get battle-tested somewhere. And they, like you said, they didn't win those games. It doesn't mean that they're not capable of, of getting to, what, week two and, and maybe even further than that. It, it just depends. I think if we're looking at the East and the West, right, Tom, I think the, the East much more wide open. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, look, it, once you take Gonzaga you know, out of the equation, uh, it, you even have to deal with Iowa over there. Here, I, I I could see this being the bracket that kind of blows everybody up, right? Could I could I see a UConn or a Maryland in the, in the Sweet 16, in the Elite Eight? You know what, Tim? I could. I could see a UConn or a Maryland making a run. You know, you could see a Michigan State being the play-in game and seeing them sitting there in the Elite Eight. I could see that happening, too. So I think there's a lot of uh, just chaos going to be in the East. Let's go to the South. Baylor, the one seed, will take on Hartford. North Carolina, Wisconsin in the 8-9. Our buddy Jay Wright and Villanova, Tom, 5-12 against Winthrop with one loss on the season. Purdue and North Texas, the 4-13. Yeah, Baylor's a team everybody loves, and you love Jared Butler. I get it, right? You you love what who they are. They will cruise in this game. I watched the American East. The American East is 1-13 in the tournament over the last 14 appearances, right? Um Hartford just plays nothing but defense, defense, defense. It's actually 63 points per game, which is the best in the conference this year. Uh, they're not going to be able to stop Baylor. Baylor's going to move on. The the draw that gets me, and I just said this about a couple of times, I said I'm going to say this a couple of times. I'm not sure that North Carolina could get past Wisconsin. But if they do, I think North Carolina could beat Baylor. North Carolina is that type of team where it's who they match up with really matters. They lead the country in second half, uh, second chance points. Why? Because they're so big and they're big underneath and they play that fast, exciting game. I don't know if they could beat Whiskey. I think it's a great matchup. I really do. I think that might be the highlight game of the week. I think that's a great matchup. But if they do, I can see them knocking off Baylor. You talk about uh, still sitting in there in that, that questionable area. Well, how about Villanova? Villanova is all banged up. No Gillespie is a big problem. Uh, they also, remember, they lost who was supposed to be their star player before the year. They are a a tough draw here because you don't really know how this team's going to play. I will tell you this, though. I am all over Winthrop. Chandler Vaudrin is fantastic. He leads the Division One in all triple doubles. This guy is really, really good. Tim, Here's my my upset. I got Winthrop moving on, and I know it's not this huge upset anymore. They're only catching six points. I, that is a 12-5. I love it. I don't only go to the 12-5s, but, man, I really like Winthrop there. And I think Purdue is getting massively, massively underrated. North Texas is a good defense, but Purdue is getting massively underrated. I think that Purdue at a four seed really has a very sweet draw here, and they could absolutely get on a roll. Is Winthrop money line material? Yeah, I'll be doing that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, so so for anybody out there, let's just say you're you're a hundred dollar guy. You know, you're gonna bet a hundred bucks. Take a hundred bucks for the, you know, minus. Uh, I mean, plus the six, and then you take fifty dollars on the money line. You know, mm-hmm. you could do something like that so you don't get crushed. Or seventy five dollars here, and then twenty five on the money line, so you only lose a hundred, but you're still sitting in that position. You always want to back it up. You you never want to be right on a team like Winthrop and then lose on the last bucket. And you go, oh, man, I was right the whole time. 
but you didn't capitalize on it. So I'll always take the points, even if I'm going to money line it as well. So since we're talking five twelves, Santa Barbara, you like kind of right? You kind of like them with the points. Oh, I like them with the points. Yeah. Yeah. Georgetown. Yeah, I kind of like them with the points. So, so again, if you've listened to the show every year, you you know Tom's. You just kind of went over a part of it, right? So you you take the four teams that are the 12 seeds, and you bet them, right? And the four 11 seeds. Four 11s, yes. Yeah. The 11, so, the, the 11 seeds have nearly as much of a success ratio as the 12 seeds. People just don't even look at the 11s. You know, yeah. um, six versus 11, the six seed is 19 and 21 over the last 10 years. That's straight up. So what I do is this. For the, 512, for the 12 seeds and the 11 seeds, I'll take – Every 12 seed points in money line. Every 11 seed points in money line. You don't even have to hit half to make the money. So it, it, you know, the 12 seeds, if two of them hit, you're making money. If yeah. one of them hit, you have a chance to basically break even. That's why I like the 12s and the 11s. So if you're paying attention, it's Santa Barbara, Wichita State or Drake, Georgetown, Michigan State or UCLA, uh, Winthrop. And we'll move into the 6-11 here in the south. So 6 is Texas Tech. The 11 would be Utah State, team that Tommy thinks should be sitting out. 3-14, Arkansas and Colgate. The 7-10 is Florida out of the SEC and Georgia, ACC. And the two-seed, Ohio State, Tommy, against Oral Roberts. Yeah, this is a, a little bit of a, of a tough conference because – or a tough bracket here because – I want to go with Utah State. I don't even think they belong in here. And I think Texas Tech has got a terrible draw, a just terrible draw. I think Texas Tech wins that game. When you start to talk about Arkansas and Colgate, Tim, give me the over. I, I, I love the over, and I love Colgate. I, I like Colgate in this spot. I think Arkansas has been playing well, but they're a little bit overrated. Okay, Colgate, Jordan Burns, 17 points per game. Second highest scoring team in Division One. They put up 86 points per game. Arkansas is a team that dares you to score with them, and Colgate's going, we'll take that challenge. I, I have Colgate moving on in quite a few brackets there. I, you know, I, I told you, I, I've done two. I have them moving on in both of my brackets at this point. VTech, I think VTech upsets Florida as a 10 seed as well. And Ohio State, Oral Roberts, Ohio State is massively impressive. They shouldn't have a problem with Oral Roberts. But let's just give a, a little credit where credit is due. Um, leading scorer in Division One for Oral Roberts, yeah. And their free throw percentage is the best in the country. Those are dangerous things for a two seed to go out there and take a look and you go, best player on the court? might be on Oral Roberts, and if you start to get into a free-throw shooting game, you're not beating them. Now, I don't think it'll be that close, but it's something to keep in mind. You know, and I'm not tipping my hand, per se, but I really like Ohio State out of the South. I know I I agree with you. I think Oral Roberts has uh, variables and individuals there that could pose an issue, but I think when it comes down to the team basketball aspect of it, and we saw, you know, Ohio State... Again, I'll go back to something that we had talked about throughout the year was which conferences were the strongest ones. I, I really think Ohio State, with their resume, played tough basketball up until even today, right, Tommy, in, in an overtime matchup in the Big Ten championship game. They're, they're battle-tested. They're ready to go. Anything can happen in this tournament, but I'm kind of going to tip my hand here. I like Ohio State a lot. I, and, you know, I kind of say they'd be my, what my Final Four representative out of the South. Uh, okay, I, I'm not there with you. I'm not there with you, but I, I don't hate it. I can't say that I do. With that being said, um, if you want to get crazy, right, Tom? And we, we talk about throwing money away sometimes. But if you just want to get crazy, you knowing it's not going to hit. But why don't we just uh, do a teaser on the 10s and 11s? How about that, Oh, buddy? no. No teasers. <laughs> and, and I'm telling you now. Okay, I am absolutely telling you now that Colgate game, guys. You're getting ten points with Colgate. I will take a stab on a money line against Arkansas there, and that over under is sitting at one sixty two and a half. I don't think I can go over, but I'm actually tempted to even go over on that game. And VTech, Tim, I think VTech's a better team than Florida. Let's not forget that. Yeah, yeah. I think Florida had a a great run in the beginning, but they kind of came back to earth real quickly in the SEC, and 
Yeah, we talk about the resumes, and VTech battled through the ACC season for sure. They had they had the most the, the least games played in the entire field because of their COVID issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I I tend to think that that might help them because they're going to be rested. They played down down the stretch. It's not like they're they're sitting at home twiddling their thumbs here. I'm also I'm also interested in the eight nine game. How many times have we seen North Carolina and Wisconsin play in the tournament? That doesn't seem like that every year they play. I will tell you, man that that is a game. I can see the winner of that 8-9. And now, by the way, the 8-9 matchups, everybody gets crazy about them on a betting uh, situation in your bracket. 8-9 matchups, the 9s always always take the points. 9s are usually the points, but always always take the points because it hits about 55% of the point. But the 8-9 matchup, 8s win the next round at about a 20% clip. 9s win at about a 10% clip. So... Everyone always frets and goes crazy about the 8-9 because it's usually a pick em. Tim, it doesn't matter. Just don't have them the next, the next round. That's usually been the case. This year, I'm going, I can see UNC or Wisconsin going on a huge run and going to the Elite Eight. That's how good I think both of these teams could be. What about the jackass Tom that thinks that he's going to bet all the 16s and 15s? Tell us uh, the, the I, I, percentages I there. I would much rather just go out there and uh, money line all the the ones and twos. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I will say this: Look, here's something about the the number ones, and I talked about this on uh, my my sports garden show this week. With the number ones, number ones obviously don't ever bet against them in the first round. But number ones also advance at an almost ninety percent clip. It's eighty seven percent. They advance the next round. In contrast, the number two seeds, Tim. They only advance a 67% clip. So after these two seeds, the Ohio States, the Iowas, the Houstons, and the Alabamas, they might win the first day. They might win whether it be Friday or Saturday. But when you come into Sunday, Monday, Tim, inevitably one, maybe even two of them are going to go down. Yeah. Preferably for me, it would be the 2-10 matchup in the East, Maryland and Alabama. That would be my preference. I I think that that's a, a very good possibility, Tim. All right, at one hour in the books, in hour two, when we come back, we will go through the Midwest bracket for you. Illinois, the one seed there. We'll get predictions and thoughts on the teams in the Midwest and our final four picks. And, of course, Major League Baseball previews the American League West in hour two as well. He Wave Sports, hour two on the way, Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> 